You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a really special, fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but my name is Michael Kushner. I'm your host, and I this this episode features Carol Burnett and Isla Mel, two incredible people in our industry. We just had an incredible conversation about uh, renaming the Majestic to the Prince Theater. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much on this intro because the episode speaks for itself but just a reminder while i have you my book how to be multi-hyphenate in the theater industry published by rutledge publishing is on shelves february 2023 and is available for pre-order right now so go get it pre-order it um you it's discounted through the rutledge publishing website and the links are on my instagram at the michael kushner at dear multi-hyphenate okay let's get into it Isla Mel is one of the book industry's go-to fashion authors. She recently worked with Heidi Klum on the official book of the hit television series Project Runway, titled Project Runway, the show that changed fashion. She has worked with many of the top names in fashion, including Michael Kors, Tommy Hilfiger, Donna Karen, Naomi Campbell, and more. Uh, she has an upcoming book as well and an incredible podcast, which you'll learn about both things in this episode. And of course, Carol Burnett. I mean, we all know who she is, um, and we love her. Uh, Carol Burnett show, Annie, Once Upon a Mattress, and she has 23 primetime Emmy Award nominations and six wins and 18 Golden Globe Award nominations and seven wins and uh, three Tony Awards, three Grammy Awards, Peabody Awards, Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award. She's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She has a Kennedy Center honor, Presidential Medal of Freedom. Oh, God. Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. Humor? Humor. <laughs> she became the first recipient of the Carol Burnett Lifetime Achievement Award for television, which was named in her honor. This episode focuses on uh, a really big move, uh, which I hope the Schuberts make, and that is renaming the Majestic Theater to the Harold Prince theater uh phantom of the opera after 35 years is closing on broadway and hal had four theaters in that uh space including phantom of the opera i think we should rename the majestic theater to the hal prince theater i hope you enjoyed this episode i sure as hell enjoyed recording it 
Love y'all. I, uh, yes, I am. I am. I usually have a lot more chill, um, but I am totally the Carol, the amount of people that love you. And when I announced that you were going to be, you and Isla are both going to be a guest on my show. The response that I had in terms of how much you have healed people and changed people was overwhelming and I I just I personally I mean I know that you were just you're telling stories and you're being an incredible uh, creator but thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for being who you are and sharing what you gave what you've given us over the years Uh, oh oh my god Oh, Michael, that is so sweet. I'm I'm very touched by that. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And so before we start with both you and Isla, I do want uh, Randy Graff, a.k.a. Pumpkin Sweetie, sends her love. Oh, oh, good. My Pumpkin Sweetie. I just adore her. We had such fun together. How is she? Give her my love. She's doing well. She just um, closed... Uh, Mr. Saturday Night on Broadway, Billy Crystal. She's a client and friend of mine. And we've become truthfully dear friends over the past few years. I'm inviting her to my wedding. I mean, I love her very much. Oh, that's wonderful. Give her a great big hug from me. I absolutely will. So thank you so much for joining me, the two of you on Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I have Isla Mel and I have Carol Burnett. I just, you know, that's really cool to say Um, because the both of you, (laughs) the both of you are a, are incredible artists and uh, such uh, an incredible team. And we're gonna get into what you are uh, working on right now, but to keep it in theme, I want to know you're in dear, you're on dear multi hyphenate and I will share with you what I what I've written in my upcoming book what this whole new the- way of making theater is and a multi hyphenate to me is an artist who has multiple proficiencies that cross pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities so basically that's someone that does a lot of shit okay <laughs> <laughs> and carol you are Isla, you are a current uh, maker and multi-hyphenate. And Carol, you're one of the OG multi-hyphenates. And with the two of you, I just want to know, as someone that has multiple ways of creating art forms, producing, acting, writing, um, uh, so it's, there's so much more in there. What I, I think what I want to start with is, Carol, this idea of multi-hyphenating the term didn't really exist uh, a few years back, but what was it like when you were starting in the industry and you had this approach of the multi-hyphenate where you were just writing, creating, producing, directing? Uh, Where did that come from? And sort of um, what were the challenges? Well, I really don't quite understand what the multi-hyphenate what that is <laughs> i just <laughs> um when i got my start uh all i wanted to do was to be on broadway and hopefully be the next ethel merman or mary martin 
And um, so when I got into an off-Broadway show, Once Upon a Mattress, which I loved, you know, I was doing eight shows a week. And then at the same time, I was lucky enough to get hired on a wonderful variety series on television, The Gary Moore Show. So for almost a year, I doubled. I did the eight shows a week, and then I did The Gary Moore Show. So I never had a day off. But I was in heaven, and I was young, <laughs> so I could do it. But um, I never really thought about um, going much beyond Broadway until I got the Gary Moore show, and I realized that doing different characters every week, as opposed to doing the same character eight times a week for a year, appealed to me more. I never really thought about television, because when... When television really came in, you know, and I'm old enough to remember when it first started, it wasn't anything I was interested in, or <laughs> maybe because uh, we couldn't afford a television set. So I was never um, into that. It was always theater and stage. So it was a, an eye-opener for me to do a comedy variety show headed by a very lovely man, Gary Moore who hired me as they call him second banana. And I was given the opportunity to do many, many different characters and to sing different songs, to sing different medleys every week. And I realized then that the small screen at that time appealed to me more than uh, doing stage work. So that's what I thought I, I would do. And uh, then, I became very successful. I'm knocking on wood here. Yeah, uh, me too. On the Gary Moore show. <laughs> and then uh, CBS, uh, as I, I was going to leave the Gary Moore show um, to do other things, CBS offered me a contract uh, to stay with them for 10 years uh, where I would be obligated to do one a special a year, an hour-long special a year, and two guest appearances on some of their sitcoms. And then they, they, there was a stipulation. I had a good agent. Within the first five years, if I, Carol, wanted to do a comedy variety show, CBS would have to put it on the air for 30 shows, pay or play, that I, if I pushed that button, they would have to put it on whether they wanted to or not. Wow. So I, yeah, and I thought, oh, gee, I, you know, I didn't ever think I could be a host of a variety show. That wasn't really in my thoughts at all at the time. But then time passed, and it was the last week of the fifth year. And my husband and I had just put a down payment on a home in California. And, uh, we decided to, as we say, push that button. It was the last week of the fifth year. So that was Christmas to New Year's. And I remember calling uh, the vice president in New York, CBS, and saying, you know, uh, I got him on the phone and he said, do you have a nice Christmas? Great. Happy New Year. And I said, yes, thank you. But I'm calling because I want to push that button. And he <laughs> did not remember and he said what button <laughs> and I said you know where I get to do a 
30 varieties, comedy varieties. He said, well, let me get back to you. And I've said this before. I'm sure they got a lot of lawyers at a Christmas party that week. And he called me back the next day. And he said, yeah, oh, well, yeah, I see that, Carol. But, you know, and this is what he said. Comedy variety is a man's game. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And he said, it's not for you, gal. <gasps> he said, it's, you know, Sid Caesar, Milton Berle, Jackie Gleason, now it's Dean Martin. And he said, we've got this great little sitcom we'd love you to do called Here's Agnes. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, I don't want to be Agnes every week. I want to have an hour-long show. I want a rep company. I want guest stars. I want music. I want dancers. I want singers. I want sketch comedy, on and on and on. And, Michael, they had to put us on the air. And they did not have faith in this. And I, I didn't know. I mean, I thought, well, at least we've got 30 shows. And we were able to hire Harvey Corman. I discovered Vicki Lawrence. We had a handsome announcer, Lyle Wagoner, to start. And uh, I remember just before the first taping, I got them all, we all got together in a kumbaya moment. And I just said, you know what? We don't know what's going to happen, but we know we have 30 shows. So let's just go out there and have fun. Well, 276 shows later, that's exactly what we did. I, I have to say that that is such an incredible story to have on this podcast, because I think, you know, with your insight and with your experience, and I'm really excited to hear from Isla, uh, where, where we started and um, where we are now and where we have to go. And I think that what you sort of have in your experience, especially with the start of Once Upon a Mattress and then and then the transfer into the small screen is an innocence, is a um, just a love of telling stories and a love and just a wonder of what's going to happen next. And I think with artists today, you know, the multi hyphenate approach of having all of these different aspects, it's like it's a it's now um an approach it's a way of doing art but i think in the in that way uh when when we do it sometimes we lose our play our sense of play and our humor and our love i think you serve as a reminder that everything we do has to come from a place of love and play and then it becomes and fun absolutely you know when anybody in at the beginning if they say i want to be in show business they want to be in it because it's fun. Yeah. You know, and uh, that that's sometimes that's that's lost, you know, at times when they get a little bit too, I don't know, uh, serious about it. <laughs> and that was never the case with me. You know, I just said, come on, we're out there. We're going to have a ball. And if we have fun, you know, hopefully the audience will. And um, but my theater training came in handy when we started taping because, uh, and also this was the same way with the Gary Moore show. We barreled right through. We did it as if it was a Broadway show live so that we never, I think in 11 years, we had maybe three or four pickups as they call it, where you have to go and redo something. Wow. Because 
Yeah, and I had a live studio audience. And because of my theater training, I did not want to keep them waiting. I know I've done several guest shots over the past few years, even on sitcoms, which are 22 minutes of show. And they take oh, some of them five hours to tape, which is insane. Right. It's not necessary. And we would do uh, an hour and 15 minutes, because we'd tape a little bit over an hour, in about two hours. So our studio audience really was there about two hours, a little over two hours, which is what they would have been in if they'd been seeing a Broadway show. So oh, I depended on them for our performance, because if they're bored or sitting there waiting between setups, uh, they're not going to give us the last that we need, you know? And so that, that's why I think it works. So sometimes when you see reruns of our show, you'll see a microphone dip into the picture. <laughs> we never stopped. You know, who cares? <laughs> I just wanted it to be, to have that live, spontaneous, almost dangerous feeling. It's incredible. And it reads because, you know, when, if ever I'm in a sad mood, what's the one thing that I put on is the Carol Burnett show bloopers. And I, it's, oh dear. it's kind of amazing because, you know, with you and Vicki Lawrence and Tim Conway and, uh, and Harvey Corman, there, there's, there's four people on set, um, or Dick Van Dyke, you know, or whoever. And, um, but the fifth character, the fifth scene partner is always the audience. They are just right. as much. It's it, and it's so magical. They are just as part. They are part of the joke just as much as as what you are creating in that moment. And it makes me feel like you guys are my family. And I, I know that the people watch get grew up watching you, and people that watch the reruns now feel that same way. And it is amazing that you have created an experience that has last that, that it's freshness and it's relevance has lasted. It sort of withstands the test of time. Um, well, we I'm, never were, we never were, um, uh, topical, you know, it was, uh, we just wanted to do sketches that everybody could identify with without having to be newsworthy necessarily. So that the sketches, most of the sketches hold up because of that. It's incredible. Um, Isla, I, I want to know what, based on what Carol is saying, and please, this is an open dialogue. So Carol, if you ever want to jump in with, and vice versa, uh, I want to know like today for a woman in the theater, television and film industry, what, how important is the multi-hyphenate and how do you think it's sort of morphed into what it is now based on what Carol is saying? Well, I think it's it's extremely important to do more than one thing. You know, um, nobody was waiting for me to make my debut. You know, I had to make my own opportunities. And so in order to do that, you know, I, I, I primarily am a writer, but I couldn't just rely on my writing. So, you know, there's a long time in between books. So I, I don't like downtime. So I had to keep busy. And, you know, so I thankfully was able to find other things that I love to do as well. So, you know, I, and to this day, I continue to stay busy. I think the three of us don't like to have downtime and like to stay busy based on our, uh, <laughs> the, the common denominator between the three of us is I think that we like to just sort of connect and create and, 
and 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 be a part of what's happening. I think the three of us have never lost the idea of fun, of having fun. I mean, for me, working is fun. I, I love what I do, thankfully. So I would rather have a great day at work than go to a, a fantastic party. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. And it's even better when the work becomes the party. Yes. Which is the best. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I think that's a really good segue in terms, thank you so much, so much for sharing, both of you. I think this is a really good segue into talking about why, why we're having this conversation. And um, the three of us, along with a lot of people in this uh, community, like Kristen Chenoweth, like Julie Andrews, like Bonnie Milligan, like Jason Robert Brown, Holland Taylor, so many people have come forward and shared their support. Um, we would like to see the Majestic Theater renamed to The Prince. So uh, the Majestic- the Prince, yeah. The, the, we want to see it, the Harold Prince, is the full name, is that what it is? The Harold Prince Theater, yes. yeah. So the Majestic- the Harold Prince Theater. The Majestic is fit for a prince. So I would love to know a few things based on uh, this experience. Now, uh, Hal Prince uh, has four shows. And if I'm mistaken, uh, please correct me, but four shows he has had that has to do with the at the Majestic Theater. One, of course, is Phantom of the Opera that has lasted 35 years. That's a feel like enough as it is. But we also have night music, we have forum, and we have fiddler. Um, four theaters, uh, four shows in one theater, and one is 35 years. I mean, I just feel like that's enough to just go, uh, let's rename let's rename it to the Hal the Harold Prince what what made you well I have I have to well I, well to begin with I love you were doing you were doing a documentary about the Tonys right yeah a book I'm writing a book about the Tony Awards yes <laughs> oh oh okay writing a book about the Tony and so Isla got in touch we have not locked eyeballs we've just been uh, email buddies and telephone buddies. So I, I can't wait to meet you in, in person. Yes, <laughs> hopefully you know. very soon. We talk every day pretty much now. <laughs> That's Besties. Right. But, but what happened was Isla called my representative wanting to uh, have an interview about the Tonys because I was uh, awarded a special Tony at yes. one point. And so I said to my representative, I said, well, that's very sweet, but I please tell Isla and Mel that, uh, you know, I don't think I would be right to interview because I, did, I didn't win one. I was just given one, an honorary one and so forth, because I, I thought, you know, I, I didn't earn it by winning it. And so Isla came back, right, and said, no, no, I want to talk to Carol. So, I was, okay, so now we, I was introduced to Isla on the telephone and we spoke. And we talked about the Tonys. And then I brought up my thing about wanting to rename the Majestic. And Isla took that and ran with it. <laughs> I, and I can't, I am still thankful, so thankful that this happened. Because if, if we hadn't talked, I don't think all of this would have happened. And, Michael, it's Isla who came up with the Majestic is fit for a prince. Now, how how about that for uh, you know for somebody to to come up with? This is just a wonderful idea, and so 
uh, we just started, and, and Isla came up with all these wonderful ideas about making uh, vid- videos, because uh, instead of going directly to the Schubert organization and saying, why don't you do this? Because probably they would have politely declined. Who knows? But then Isla said, why don't we go first, do just inundate everybody, a media blitz. And that is how all of this started. So hats off to Isla. Oh, I thank- can't thank you enough. No, thank you. Well, you know, the thing is, I felt like we really needed to show and still need to show the Schubert organization how the community feels. You know, we want to, that's why we're asking people to make these videos and to lend their support because it's so important for them to really understand how much people want this to happen. And it's become so apparent everywhere I go, people are talking about this, which is incredible. Now, Isla, now I'm going to get to Carol, you're going to have the same question. I'd like to elaborate on this as well, because I know that you worked with him on a specific project. But Isla, did you ever have an interaction with him? Did you ever get to work with him? And if so, um, why is there an emotional connection to this? Is there I'd love to know more about um, why you've committed so deeply to this, because I think with when you are multi-hyphenating, when you are getting behind something, raising funds, writing a book, writing a new musical, whatever it is, also as an actor, we have to know why we're doing what we're doing, what we're getting ourselves into. So I'd love to know what is sort of the spirituality behind this (laughs) and the energy, where is that coming from? I never had the opportunity to work with Hal Prince, sadly, or meet him even. But, you know, I grew up as a theater kid. I was an actor for 10 years as a kid. And his shows for my life, I mean, they're just, they were everything to me. And there is no one who's had as much of an impact on the American theater as Hal Prince. And for me, I, I don't see that you could see it any other way. (laughs) So I think it's completely appropriate. In addition, he's won more Tony Awards than anyone else. He's discovered- 21. Exactly, 21, that's so unprecedented. And in addition, he's discovered and and really nurtured the talents of of the leading people working in the business today. So many of them, it's it's just a no brainer for me. I completely agree. And also, Michael, uh, uh, I didn't realize this until uh, Jason Robert Brown brought this up in his video, that there is no theater on Broadway that's named after a director. Oh, wow. And you've got, you've got composers, you've got uh, playwrights, you've got critics even, you know, and <laughs> people who've owned the theaters, but no director. And so, I mean, there's no Mike Nichols Theater, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no Elliot Kazan Theater. And of all the people, all the directors, my God, Harold Prince is is so long overdue. He is so, I mean, uh, I, I, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless <laughs> at one <laughs> point because I loved him. So I loved him. So we knew each other. And I knew his family and everything. And uh, we were friends. And at one point, I, uh, my daughter, Carrie, and I uh, wrote a play. And Hal, I sent it to Hal because I wanted to get his opinion 
about possibly he might know some new young directors who would be interested in directing it. And he said, well, would you mind if I wanted to direct it? Well, (laughs) (laughs) my God, we were over the moon. I mean, are you kidding me? And so we um, helped, nurtured us while we were writing it and everything. And unfortunately, I lost my baby. She passed away before we could open but I was able to finish finish it, and Hal nurtured me, and um, we we worked together very closely. And uh, I felt kind of like he was the brother I never had, and uh, so we worked close. And I'm I'm very close with Judy, his his wife, and uh, Daisy, his daughter, and um, they are they are thrilled with what's going on now with this campaign. They couldn't go to the Schubert organization because it would be his family trying to talk him into it. You know what I mean? But this way, with all all of these wonderful people making videos, and I was getting people every day submitting, you know. So we're just going to keep it up like a dog with a bone. Yeah. We're posting the videos as fast as we can, but so many have come in. Um, I'd also like to point out that Hal Prince is in a league by himself and the director's union is behind this movement and have actually taken to the Schubert's to show their support. I, without don't, right. even a- I, I don't think anyone would be against this. And if they are, they could stay far away from wherever we are. But <laughs> I just, you know, we had the Brooks Atkinson, right? That that's a review. He was a reviewer. He was a critic. And it's now going to be yeah. named the Lena Horn. I do believe that because we have so many, so many influential people that come through our industry, and we have forty-one theaters on Broadway. We can rename them every five to ten years. We can, as a beautiful homage to who we are, where we came from, and what we're gonna, and what we're gonna be doing. Well, I have no idea why anybody would be against it. You know, uh, it, it's such it's a slam dunk. You know, and especially the majestic because because of what he you know shows were there, but the longest running show in Broadway history, and it's going to be closing in February. So, what a better way to end the whole Phantom run than to christen the majestic with Harold Prince's name? I think they should. I mean, couldn't be better. They should do it on closing. I think they should do it on closing Wouldn't night. That be- wouldn't that be great, Carol? If if they were cool. if they were to do it, and and we and we're our our plan is a success. Would you be Would you be there to maybe break the champagne against the wall or something like that? Try to keep me from it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would be. I don't know about breaking champagne or whatever, but I would certainly be there to celebrate with all of those who made this happen and his family. That's what I like to hear. I think that's really interesting what you were talking about in terms of if the, if Daisy, uh, if if everyone was supposed, the family was going to come forward. I, you're right. I do think it would be too personal. And having this, right. this movement of people that didn't have a connection with him or did have a connection with him saying, who's it going to hurt? What is it? What's it going to do? If not, it's I mean, if for some reason they're looking at it at a financial point of view, it's 
more publicity. It's more, it's, it, it's not going to hurt. And think of, okay, how many millions of dollars did Hal make for the Majestic? Yeah. You know, I, if you want to want to get down to money, you know, the basic thing that everybody's worried about usually. My God, over a million people saw it on Broadway alone. And that's just so, one come show. Come on. The other shows you named, I mean, that show has been, that's one of the most beloved shows of all time. And it's one of the most produced shows of all time. So not only, you know, so yeah, with the, with the, with how much they made on Broadway with Fiddler on the Roof for Forum, look at how many middle schools, high schools, colleges, regional theaters, touring productions, international productions there are of Fiddler, Forum, night music, not so much, but it still happens, you know, and imagine the the, the high school, yeah. the, what Phantom is going to do regionally and with high schools and colleges. I mean, it, it's it's it, out of principle. I think that we should rename this Fakak the Theater. <laughs> you agree. I want to really point out that Carol and I decided to do this. It's just the two of us working here, so we really need the public's help. But the Prince family, they didn't know when we started to do this. So I I wouldn't want anyone to think that they are behind, although they support this effort, it is not them doing it. It's Carol and I. So from from the perspective of a multi-hyphenate, to keep it in theme, (laughs) what this podcast is about, to keep it in theme, what do you notice sort of, um, since it's a two-person band right now, how do you sort of delegate um, uh, uh, responsibilities or how do you communicate? How do you stay on top of this so that... Well, we talk maybe once or twice a day. That's right. You know, the... Yeah, and who who should we call or who should we uh, do some more videos of? And I'm working now, and so I'm going to hopefully take some videos of some of the actors I'm working with uh, this week, and then I I send them to uh, Isla, and Isla, she's I'm technically impaired, so <laughs> Isla is taking care of all of that, not only uh, the technical part but also the creative part. So I, I have to hand a lot of the uh, the accolades to uh, you, Isla, because you're you're totally making it happen. Thank you, Carol. Uh, you know, but, I mean, it's, absolutely. It, it, it's both of us. It's both of us, <laughs> and, and everything, every decision is both of us. And please, this is you know this this is this interview is is supposed to be a call to arms. So I would love to get involved with this. If you need help with delegating any tasks, reaching out to any one organization, I personally would love to donate my time for this. But if you, oh, that is sweet. Of course, thank of course, you. Of course, we're family now. So I got you know I got to step up. <laughs> um, and that's twice that I made Carol Burnett laugh. Okay, so moving on. Um, I, uh, I also would love for you to share how people listening to this podcast and looking at the clips on social media of this, of this recording, how they can help. What can everyone else do to help? The more videos we get, 
the more power we have. That's really what we need. We need people to make a video saying the majestic is fit for a prince and then use that as your caption, that hashtag. This way we can find you because Carol and I are looking. And so when we see someone who uses our hashtag, we repost that. And mm. so they're they're all on Carol's Instagram. Well, not all yet because it's taking us a while, but they will be. Everyone's going to be up there. But, anyone who hashtag. Yeah. It's amazing. And not everybody is a, quote, celebrity, unquote. No, no, most people aren't. And that's what we love. We love that the public is coming out because that's really what I think is going to make the difference to the Schubert's. It's so funny because mm -hmm. before I even knew that this campaign was happening, I posted a TikTok and I said, I, I, I was a little tipsy because I just came from a baby shower, but I posted a video. My hair looked amazing. So I was like, I have to do this. Um, <laughs> I posted a video and I was like, I as if I had come up with this idea myself, forgive me. I, I, <laughs> but that was the confidence I had in this video. I said, I think that the Majestic should be renamed the Prince. And that was all the video was. And then the oh. next day I saw that, a press release had come out. I don't even, I don't know if it was beshared and meant to be that it was like the stars were aligned, that it was coming out that day or it had come out a few days before, but all of a sudden it was on my newsfeed. And I was like, what is happening? I have to, so I reached out and this is something that I talk a lot about on my podcast about if you want something, if you want uh, to create, if you want to collaborate, you have to reach out, you have to communicate, figure out how to do it. And don't be threatening. Don't, you know, don't be an overbearing presence, but say, Hey, I have this. I see you. I have this. And I would love to contribute in this way. So I DM'd Isla. We follow each other on Instagram and, uh, basically was like, how can I help you and oh that's wonderful we're here now chatting which is very exciting to me <laughs> that's great that's great michael hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, Carol, I would love to know if just on the subject of Hal Prince, I would love to, you know, you did the Hollywood Arms with him. I would love to dive a little deeper into that. Um, is there an experience or a story regarding that show, that relationship with Hal? You sort of got into it a little bit. <laughs> But is there something that he shared with you or a memory that you have working on that show with him that you'll never forget, well, but you've never really told anyone? Uh, <laughs> my daughter, Carrie, you know, we worked on it together, yeah. but she 
um, died of uh, cancer, lung cancer. Uh, we were just before we were going to go into previews in Chicago, but Hal was uh, so supportive when we were writing because Carrie lived in Colorado. She had a little cabin and she'd write there. I was writing in LA and we were faxing <laughs> our scenes to Hal and then he would comment on them and, and give us um, his, his expertise, you know, and then we would take his notes and so forth. Anyway, so Carrie passed away and I, uh, I was, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a mom and I, I, uh, I didn't want to get out of bed. And my husband, Brian said, we were going to go into previews and he said, Carol, you, you, you owe this not only to Carrie, but you owe it to Hal mm. to finish, to go in. He's like, so I, it actually kind of saved me in a way, the fact that I had to finish the play uh, while we were in previews. So we're on the plane, my husband and I, to Chicago. And uh, I, I said a little prayer to Carrie. And I said, I'm going to be doing this, but I don't want to be alone. Be with me. Somehow be with me. I need a, I need a sign that you're going to be with me even though you're not present physically. So we get to the hotel in Chicago, and Hal had already uh, registered. And I walked into the hotel room, and on the coffee table in the living room there was a huge bouquet of birds of paradise. And uh, with a card that said, welcome to Chicago. Can't wait to see you tomorrow for rehearsal, Hal. And the birds of paradise were Carrie's favorite flower. In fact, she had a bird of paradise tattooed on her right shoulder. Wow. And I, I called Hal and I said, how did you know about, he said, know what? I said that that was Carrie's favorite flower. And he said, I didn't. He said, I just called down and said, send up something exotic to, to Carol's room. So I said, whoa, thank you. So then we had a rehearsal that next day, and Brian and I and Hal went out to dinner after rehearsal that night to a very nice restaurant in Chicago. And the later um, D brought over a bottle of champagne, uh, compliments of the management. And on it, on the label, it said Louise. That was Carrie's middle name and my mother's name. What? So I went, okay. <laughs> so I get the birds of paradise and Louise. Then the next thing is that Carrie and I always loved rain. Not when it flooded, but just rain, nice rain. And opening night, it rained. So wow. I, I felt... You know, I don't know, a coincidence, perhaps, you know, but three three things. And, and I just felt, um, well, it, I felt her and, and it, and I told Hal about it and he, he actually teared up mm. and uh, it was just a very sweet, and then as a result uh, over the years, <laughs> Because I told Hal, I said, you're like the brother I never had. And so he started calling me sis. And I called him bro. 
<laughs> so that that's our connect. That was a major connection for both of us. That is a major. That is so beautiful. And if I may say so, I don't believe in coincidence. Again, this word pops up a lot, but beshert meant to be. It's Yiddish for meant to be. And right, I, I know what that means. Yeah, I just. Feel- I remember somebody once once somebody once described to me a coincidence. It's God's little miracle in which he chooses to remain anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember who said that? No. <laughs> it was some quote I, years ago. <laughs> it's That's really incredible. But, I, yeah. but, you know, going back to what your your husband said about, you know, you owe it to Hal. I, I, right. I, I think that's this is a continuation of that. Exactly. Exactly. That is. You know, such, and, yeah, please go for it. I don't know. It's a ha- I, I mean, the Schubert's owe it to hell. All of the people who worked with him and and profited from his genius owe it to hell. And that's you how know, our, we all do. The people who are making videos for us are so happy to do it because they want to give something back mm-hmm. to hell. They're mm-hmm. so honored right. to be part of it. So this is, if you're listening to this, please make sure that you follow those instructions that Isla shared about social media and make sure that your voice is known. We want, we want an overwhelming amount of video. Um, this, I love this conversation because I think so many people feel show business is unattainable or it's not personal. And I just have to say, I am speaking with Isla and Carol Burnett right now. And I, you know, it's, we come from three different worlds, three different places. And we're talking about how Hal Prince, the one of the biggest names, 21 time Tony winning director, producer, multi-hyphenate of the, of the theater affected us in different ways. Some very personal, some, you know, peripheral, peripheral, peripheral. And, um, <laughs> and try saying that 10 times fast. And it's that's what show business is to me. It's these people coming together for a common cause and through sharing stories and insight about um, about a, a, a common idea. And I just think hearing your story, Carol, and hearing your perspective, Isla, is just so... Um, that's what show business is to me. It's not unattainable and it's not unfriendly. It's this, it's, it's all of us coming together and forming community for a common goal. And I think that's beautiful. And I just like, yeah. um, Go ahead. Thanks, Carol. Theater is one of the only experiences we have together anymore because, you know, when Carol had her show, the whole world watched it at the same time together. We all watched it on Saturday nights, but now you know, with Netflix and Hulu and all these great things we have, we're not doing things as a society together. So when that audience comes together every night with those actors, it's it's one group experience. And that's somewhat rare these days. That's perfectly put. It's perfectly put. And, you know, I don't want to wrap up, but I am going to let you both continue on with your busy days and your... Um, and you're, uh, you, we're going to get this theater renamed. Um, but I do want to share um, one story, Carol, about like 
the about first of all who you're talking to one and second of all the family I feel like you um built with who you are as an artist and I wasn't able to do this uh with you but I did uh Harvey Corman and Tim Conway came through um and I was 12 years old at the time Harvey Corman and Tim Con Conway uh were they were doing a, a double act in about 2000 to 2003 and came through my local theater and it was the theater that I grew up doing theater at and so I knew every nook and cranny of that theater and I was like I, I was obsessed with Mel Brooks movies I was obsessed with the Carol Burnett show I was obsessed with so much of that um it really helped me you know a kid a, a chubby gay kid uh who was getting bullied you know you really served as this well incredible escape and I felt like you know I knew you guys and you know you represented my family too Jewish American people and um and I knew every nook and cranny of that theater so I snuck in and I walked myself into that green room and sat my ass down on their couch and they can't I don't think they even <laughs> they the applause hadn't even died down I just ran to the back and I I walk they walk in and they go, who are you? And I said, I'm Michael. I'm a big fan. I do theater here and I wanted to meet you. And they sat on that couch with me and talked to me for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. They signed my oh. shirt. And I just wanted oh. like, it was an, unforget an unforgettable memory. And for, you know, 30 minutes, I felt like I was on the Carol Burnett show. I felt like I was, you know, no. I was, I was there That's as well. Oh, Michael, that is such a sweet story. Well, they were so special, you know. It was a family, definitely. You know, I miss them. I miss them a great deal. It seemed like that. It seemed like that. And again, yeah. that's that's why your show uh, is timeless. Um, but uh, also, I wanted to give space to Isla as well, who you're working on a project. You're work you have two projects right now that I, I think we should give space to. One is your book. I have, well, I, so I'm writing this book about the Tony Awards, but I do have another book about Broadway that's coming out next month. It's called Designing Broadway. And it's about- I'm, What's it called? It's called Designing Broadway. And I wrote it with the Tony uh -huh. Award winning set designer, Derek McLean. And it's about set design on Broadway. And it's, it's not only Derek's sets, but it's also the whole community of set designers. That's amazing. And- Isla? Yeah. Isla? Do you have Ming Cho Lee in there? Of course we do. Derek was a student of Ming Cho Lee's at Yale. So we, we do have Ming Cho Lee. Well, I went to UCLA with him. Oh my gosh, Carol. In fact, <laughs> yeah, when I moved into the rehearsal club in New York, when I first got to New York, it was a, a club for young women interested, wanted to be in the theater, very up and up, $18 a week room and board. Ming <laughs> wow. Cho Lee and some other uh, UCLA fellas lived across the street because they had just come to New York and I got the idea that the rehearsal club should put on a show to so that we could get agents without you know so all of us girls put on a show and invited agents and producers and to come and see us so that we we were hoping we'd get discovered and <laughs> Ming Cho Lee did the scenery and the lighting wow. oh my gosh Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, before he before he got on Broadway. Yeah, wow. Because we were all just right out of UCLA. 
Amazing. <laughs> that's that's inc- world. Carol. That sort of reminds me of New Faces. Yeah. That, well, New Faces of '52 was the first album I ever got, and wow. in fact, the first one of the first songs I ever sang was Boston Begin. Wow, that's amazing. That Alice Ghostly sang. Yeah. That's I did know, that at UCLA. That's amazing. I um I have a sort of new faces upstairs at the downstairs sort of story. Um oh, uh-huh. that, you know, I just I, I feel like I I missed I missed the upstairs at the downstairs, you know, but um I would have loved yeah. to have experienced that with, you know, Madeline and Lily Tomlin and Betty right. Abelin. Oh god, um, yeah. But uh, I, you know, th- I was watching the Carol Channing documentary and for a split second, there's a video of her going, anyone who's anyone is Jewish. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I would love that. I would love that song. And it, I, I, I waited, I, I, I Googled who wrote that song and it's got this guy, Bill Whedon. And, um, and I was like, wait, what, what, uh, uh, um, I know that name. I oh, we're Facebook friends. My mom's boyfriend told me to add him. They had told me to add him. They worked on a movie together, like in the eighties. So I messaged oh him. I messaged him, and um, he gave me this lead sheet. And he said, "You know, you're the fourth person to sing the song. The first three people were uh, Betty Aberlin, Carol, uh, Betty Aberlin, Carol Channing, and Madeline Kahn, and they sang it at the upstairs, at the downstairs." And I thought that was amazing. Wow. Wow. It was really, uh, really special. Small world, small world, small yes. world. <laughs> and you, and Isla, you also have a podcast. I do have a podcast. It's a pop culture podcast called Jiffy Pop Culture. Um, it's secretly a Broadway podcast, though, because we always talk about Broadway. Um, <laughs> I have a co-host who is an actor and a stand-up comedian. And um, I, Michael, I was telling you the other day that um, <laughs> we did an episode on the Chainsaw Massacre, but then we were talking about Agnes of God on Broadway. <laughs> yes, I so love we cover, that. <laughs> cover a lot of things. <laughs> I love that. Well, for those of you listening, make sure you check out Jiffy Pop Culture and also your upcoming book. Carol, is there anything you want to pitch? <laughs> any, any? No, project? just everybody. I I send my love and stay safe. Get vaccinated. Get boosted. <laughs> and, yes yes oh, and yeah and stay, ha- stay well and how and i have two yeah. things two things to say as we end one is the majestic is fit for a prince and <laughs> the second one is i'm so glad we had this time together oh so. thank you michael we um, are too thank you so much yes, thank, thank you for having us and spreading the word of course, I, I'm here to help. And as always, thank you to Broadway Podcast Network. And thank you for listening. And please follow on Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi-Hyphenate. And as a reminder, my book, How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, is published by Rutledge Publishing and will be out in February of 2023 and is available for pre-order right now. Thank you so much to Isla Mel and Carol Burnett. I can't believe I just said that. The two of you, you're both <laughs> incredible and amazing. Uh, and please rate- Thank subscribe. you, Michael. Of course course rate subscribe comment do all that stuff love one another have a great day
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.